4, verses 17 through 32. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you have heard of him and were taught of him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. That's our newest associate pastor. That is a blessing. And you'll be hearing him from the pulpit tonight. I, I guess I'm a bit of a movie buff. I'm, I try to show some real discretion about the movies that I watch, but I'm a bit of a movie buff. And on TV again for the 4,000th time this past week was one of my favorite movies. You know, somebody said on Facebook, Name the movies that you would watch over and over and over again. And one of those for me is The Green Mile. In the movie The Green Mile, that is a story, if you're not familiar with it, about a black man in the 20s, a giant of a man, seven feet, better than seven feet tall, a giant of a man with a very mild and meek manner who was given an amazing gift of bringing peace and healing to those that surrounded him and especially those that he touched. It's, it's the most unusual book that Stephen King has ever written. It is different from anything else that he wrote. Um, John Michael Duncan plays John Coffey in the movie and somewhere in the movie he has been judged guilty of a crime he did not commit he is sentenced to death row and the story joe is about his the progress moving toward the electric chair somewhere along the way having recognized his innocence and the and his character the jailer tom hanks says let me just get you out of here let, let me set you free. And the 
John Coffey says to him, why would you do such a foolish thing? And he says to him, boss, I'm tired. I'm tired. Every day I hear how people speak to each other and how they treat each other, and it hurts me. It's like glass in my skull every day. It hurts, boss. It hurts. And in the scripture that we've read this morning, it says, do not bring sorrow. That's NIV. Uh, almost every other translation says, don't grieve. Don't bring grief to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. You belong to God. That's what we've established in every passage up to this. God, you were dead, but he's made you alive. You lived in the old way, but now he has given you new life. You need to live like it. Because when you do not, when you sin, when you abandon Him, when you act faithless, it grieves the Holy Spirit, just like John Coffey said, every day, it's like glass in my skull. It hurts. It hurts. And I wonder how many times we have hurt the Holy Spirit of God who lives in us by the way we have lived. Every day, boss. Every day, it hurts. It hurts. His challenge, Paul's challenge to the Ephesians at this point is take off your grave clothes and put on your grace clothes. Quit acting like you're lost. Remember you've been saved. You've experienced the grace of God and the presence of God, and you need to act like it. Take off your grave clothes and put on your grace clothes. So how do you do that? How do you keep from grieving the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of you? Well, for number one, don't walk like the dead. Now he sums this up as describing how the world lives. That is, Brandon, that's what comes natural to us. We do the things that come natural. But he's saying, still he's saying, don't live like that. Don't live, Charlotte, like you were lost, like you once did. You've been changed. You've been redeemed. You have new life. Don't walk like the dead. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. Don't miss that. I insist on it in the Lord. Not me personally, but this is what God wants of you that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Now, I want you to notice from that passage, we're talking about what you were like when you were lost, and we're talking, caring about what the world lives like 
what's going on with them, which is not what we ought to practice as children of God. That's not what the church is supposed to be. Those who are lost have a darkened mind, a dark mind. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live. You used to be this way, but you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now that doesn't mean that they're stupid. In fact, the problem more than likely, Don, is their intelligence. People become too intelligent for their own good. Um, somebody, when I was a kid, they would say he's been educated beyond his intelligence. It's not that they're not intelligent. It may be that they're too intelligent. I have to see it. I have to touch it. What you're saying to me about the gospel, that there is a God and that that God loved me and he died for me, that doesn't make sense. I need something that is rational and that is irrational. Well, I would agree with that. Basil, I can't imagine why God would love me so much that he would send his son to die for me. That's grace. That's the love of God. That's what he's done for you. And it doesn't have to make sense to you, but it perfectly fits the character of God. I look at our kids and I worry about their college classes and what they're going to be taught. I guarantee you that there are professors at your university who will do everything they can to destroy your faith. You hold on to what you've been taught in this church. You hold on to what your parents have taught you from the Word of God and do not allow those professors to darken your mind the way their mind is dark. It's not just a matter of a dark mind. It's also a matter of a hard heart. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Their ignorance is not being uneducated. It is due to the hardening of their hearts. That hardening is a word that is used for something being turned to stone. It's like a petri... How many of you ever seen a petrified tree? You guys drove past the petrified forest on, on the way here. Um, in Mississippi, where my mom grew up, on her father's farm was a petrified tree. It's the only one I ever saw in the South. But there was a petrified tree there. Of course, it kept disappearing, Don, little by little. Everybody wanted a chunk of that petrified tree. <clears throat> I had one. But that petrified tree, you understand, was something that was green and living and growing. But through the, the pressure, I believe, of the flood, but through the years, through the pressure that it experienced, that tree that was living and green was turned into stone. And so it is with the heart of man when he hears the call of God and does not obey it when he hears the word of God and denies it, when you refuse the conviction of the Holy Spirit 
Every time you say no to God, your heart gets a little more hard and a little harder until the time comes, Carl, that you can't even hear the voice of the Spirit of God. Delaying you just, your heart just turns to stone, their hearts, because they say no to God and it gets harder and harder for God to reach them. Not only do they have a darkened mind, they have a hard heart. And besides that, they live a sin-filled life. The verses said, having lost all sensitivity. That's that hardening of the heart that I'm talking about. They can't hear anymore. They can't feel conviction anymore. They've given themselves over. It's a choice. God didn't do that to them. They made the choice. They've turned themselves step by step, time after time, over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed. That is their lifestyle. That's how they live. That is the result of a hard a dark mind and a hard heart, losing sensitivity, losing the leadership and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Listen, that grieves the Holy Spirit of God. It hurts, boss. Every day, it's like glass in my skull. It hurts. It hurts. The Holy Spirit is grieved when we lose our sensitivity when someone denies Christ to the point that they will never hear from Him again. By the way, that doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. It means you're never going to get saved. You're never going to be saved because you cannot, you can no longer hear. I would warn you, I don't know if I've ever said this in this congregation or not, I'm saying it now. If you've never been saved and you keep saying no, the time will come. It's not that God can't save you. It's just that you will never want Him to save you again <clears throat> on this day. Listen, today is the day of salvation. If God is tugging at your heart, say yes while you have the opportunity. Do not continue to reject the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. I say the same thing. To, to you and I say the same to those who are on the live stream you may be at home you may be sitting on your couch in your pajamas it doesn't matter if the Spirit of God is speaking to you you hear his voice and you do what he's telling you to do not only that take off your grave, grave clothes and put on your grace clothes to keep from grieving the Holy Spirit of God you need to remember Christ has made you alive. I worry about those who do not come to church on a regular basis, <clears throat> those who, whether it's because of COVID or you just get tired of my preaching or, or whatever. I, listen, I can understand. I, I really could. If I had a choice between listening to me or, or to David Jeremiah, there, there's no comparison. I'd listen to David Jeremiah. I just wish you'd listen to him at another time, not while I'm preaching, okay? But I, I worry about people who stay away from the fellowship of the church and the preaching of the Word of God. 
Do you remember? You've been saved. You were lost, but God saved you. And He has taken you from death and given you life. And you need to walk, as the Bible says, in newness of life. Remember, Christ made you alive. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by the deceitful desires to made, be made new in the attitude of your minds. Not a dark mind, but a renewed mind. And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, what he's saying, how do you do that? How do you constantly remind yourself that you have been saved, that you've been given new life, and you don't live the old way, you live the new way? You know, I, I, I thought about this, and I don't think Brenda will mind me talking about her dad. Brenda has shared with many of you ladies how she prayed for her dad to be saved and how it hurt her that we were going to Africa to share the gospel with people there and she was leaving behind a father that was unsaved by his own testimony. But a time came, a friend of theirs died and, and, and it shook that household. And her dad called her and said, I just wanted to call you and tell you myself, I've been saved. Wow, what a day that was. But there's more to the story than that. When we came home and I met my father-in-law again, I met a new man. Now, I, I, I won't run him down the way he was before. I loved him. He was a good man, but he was lost. And his language was, shall we say, colorful. It's okay, you can laugh. When he came back, Joe, I never heard him say a curse word again. God, God had to teach him to speak a new language. And he did. And he was in church. He, he was giving to his church. He was serving in his church. God made that man new. And he's in heaven today. I know without a doubt because he took off his grave clothes and he put on his grace clothes and he got to know Jesus. How do you do that? You get to know Jesus. You get to know Christ. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him according to in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus Christ. Listen to me. You need to read your Bible. How do you get to know Jesus? How do you get to know God? Read your Bible. And I would say read it every day. You don't have to read the whole Bible every day. In fact, you can't because it takes about 70 hours to read the whole Bible. And there's only 24 hours in the day. But you could read it through in a year. In fact, you can read it through in about three months without a great deal of difficulty. Some of you are nodding your heads. You've done that. The other thing you can do is listen. 
really listen to the sermons and the lessons in church. That's why Linda and I, I don't, I don't know where Linda is sitting, but um, Linda and I put a bit of effort into what you've got in your hands, that worship guide every week. And I like it when I see people with a pen in their hand and they're filling in the blanks. You know why? Because your hand is connected to your heart and to your mind. And you will more likely remember what I've been talking about if you write it down. I've been, I've been shown some people's notes and they fill the whole, they don't just fill in the blanks, they, they write just about everything I say down. The other thing is surround yourself with godly companions. Surround yourself with people of faith, people who are not of corrupt speech, but they've taken off their grave clothes and they've put on their grace clothes and you need grace and they need grace. You need to surround yourself with godly peers, godly companions, and the best way to do that, you need to join a study group at Faith in OLR. If you're not a part of a class, you're not a part of a study group, you're not a, a part of a small group, you need to be. That impact and that influence in your life will help you to really know Jesus. Get to know Christ. Then the next thing the verse talks about is let the Spirit renew your mind. You were saved with a darkened mind and you came to the light and you need more and more light. You were given new life and you need a renewed mind to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Let the Spirit of God, instead of saying no to Him, let Him change you. Too many say, I just can't change. I can't change. I am who I am. I've got to be who I am. God, Jesus Christ, died to disprove that. He died to show you a new way of life to be able to change you. Just like my father-in-law, Charles, changed by the power of the Spirit of God. He didn't go to theology school. He didn't, his grammar was no better than it ever had been. But he spoke a different language and he lived a different life. You can change by the power of the Spirit of God. You say, I can't change. No, you can't. But the Spirit of God can change you if you will allow Him to do so. And I need to also share a secret with you. This is not in my notes, but you can put it in yours. You don't know it. You don't realize it, but you're changing anyway. Uh, I keep joking about my hair. Basically, it's either laugh or cry, you know. So, my, I realize my hair's been leaving me for some time now. My, if you're not very careful, your waistline changes rapidly, especially. Some of you guys who can eat all you want to and never gain a pound, when I was 30 years old, a little angel came down, sat on my shoulder, and tapped me with his wand and said, you will now get fat. Or something happened. I don't know. I started gaining weight. I, I can 
I can look at a cake and gain a pound. You're changing. You're changing anyway. And some of us, not for the good. But by the renewing of your mind, by the Spirit of God, you can be changed, you can be transformed by the power of God. I see God at work in some of you, and it thrills me. You, you're not fully baked yet. The oven's still on. But God is changing you a day and an hour at a time. Praise God for that. Then the other thing, to remember that Christ has made you alive and to keep from grieving the Holy Spirit, take off the ratty. Now, where I stole this, the guy said the raggedy. Hey, that may be the way you say it, but I'm from the South. And in the South, we say, take off the ratty and put on the radiant. Christ died to give you a new self. Yes, you have an old nature. Yes, you have an old self. But you can take that off and put on the radiance of the love and the grace of Christ. Put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and in holiness. Then finally, walk in new life. Don't walk like the dead. Remember that Christ has made you alive and walk in new life. One of those things. Now, and Paul, uh, Todd, this is a sermon within a sermon. And I thought, am I really going to do this? Uh, here's a whole sermon entitled, How Not to Grieve the Holy Spirit. And there are four, five practical ways how not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. We're all members of one body in your anger. Do not sin. Do not let the sin go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but you must work doing something useful with the, your own hands. They may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And here it is. Do not grieve the Spirit of God with whom you're sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Get your pens out and write these down because I'm going to be in a hurry. But I want you to hear this. I want you to get this. How do I keep from grieving the Holy Spirit? At this point, you understand what's possible. You know what has happened to you when you were saved. How do I put off the old stuff and put on the new stuff? Number one, Speak truth. Quit lying and speak truth. Be honest. Live with integrity. Put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. That doesn't mean that you have to be totally honest with everybody all the time 
to tell them that they're ugly, short, shabby. You know, that's, that's the difference in cultures. Some people think, especially in a cold climate culture, I just have to be honest. I have to, I have to, I have to say what I think. It, just saying. That's aimed at Wendy, by the way. She, she, she's always saying, just saying. And when she's saying, just saying, what she means is, what I just said is something I should not have said. <laughs> just saying. And Carl, these women, there are places, I mean, in Michigan, if you ask, well, how does, you know, a woman asks, how does my hair look? Then you probably be, be told, well, that's not particularly flattering. But in the South, we lie. <laughs> how does my hair look? Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> it looks fine. And besides, it'll grow. You don't have to tell everything you know. It's not what it means. It just means stop lying. Speak the truth in love. Be a blessing in what you say, but tell the truth. Be known as a truth speaker. Then number two, be angry at sin and don't give in. Now, here's the verse. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Now, I came up with what I thought that verse meant when I was studying and teaching the Greek language. And I got argued with continually. Did you not read the book by Chuck Swindoll? Did you not read the book by James Dobson? Did you not read the book? No, I've read the book. I've read the Bible. And I have kept my mouth shut for years, but I recently found somebody who's smart because they agree with me on what this verse means. What, what all those other people say it means is, Charlotte, if you, if, if you get angry, don't go to bed angry. You have to make up before you go to sleep. That's a good way to stay awake for about three weeks. And that's not what the verse says. What did it say? It is a quote of Psalm 4.4. They don't point that out. And Psalm 4.4 says in the NIV, Tremble and do not sin. When you are on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. In the KJV, stand in awe and sin not. Don't sin because you fear God. You're in awe of God. Commune. Instead, commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. What that means is God's not happy with your sin. And we're, Todd, we're supposed to hate sin. God hates sin. It's, your sin's not okay. The world will tell you the way you're living, the way you're acting, it's okay. You're okay. I'm okay. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm not okay. I struggle with sin every day. 
But you're a preacher. I struggle with sin every day. And God hates sin. And Jonathan, we're supposed to hate sin too. That's what it's talking about. Be angry, but the anger is at sin. And it says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. What wrath? At your wife? At your husband? No, at sin. Don't let the sun go down means don't ever let it stop. Don't quit being angry at sin. Don't care what else you read. That's what the verse means. Be angry at sin and don't ever give up in being angry at sin. Then work. Go to work. Work hard. Work honest. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. Now, I heard one preacher who got the punctuation wrong. He's, uh, he was using King James Version. He said, no more stealing. But everyone, I, I can't even, I can't get it right now because I'm not looking at the KJV. But basically, he said, no more working. Everybody take what you want with your own hands. But that's, that's not what it says. Anyone who's been stealing, I, do not steal, no more working with your hands. That's what he said. Must steal no longer, but you must work, but must, did I put it in twice? doing something useful with their own hands that, so that, that's a purpose clause, they may have something to share with those in need. Go to work. Work hard. Earn your pay so that you have something to give to those who truly are in need. Then, work so you can be generous question is, are you a giver or a taker? Some people take, take, take. Be a giver. Be generous. Do an honest day's work to earn your pay and then be generous with those who are in need. Then speak encouragement. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only, get this, what is helpful for building others up. We have a problem in our culture, and it's called sarcasm. The trouble with sarcasm is there's always a little bit of truth in the sarcasm. You say something sarcastic, and the receiver of that comment wonders how much of that does he or she really mean. Sarcasm is not funny. And if you say a sarcastic remark and expect laughter and you don't get laughter, don't ever do it again to that person especially. Be, speak encouragement. Your ugly speech and dirty, rotten attitude only hurts the person listening and it also grieves the Holy Spirit of God. You can read. I don't have to read that out loud, but I will. By the way, God reads your Facebook page. Does that worry you? Then quit putting junk on there. Quit, quit putting unkind remarks. Put, 
Quit putting things that you would not want God looking over your shoulder and reading aloud to you. God reads your Facebook posts. When you're speaking, give a blessing. Be an encourager. This world needs encouragement. They don't need running down. Speak encouragement. Be kind and forgiving. The, I didn't put the whole verse, or at least Walter didn't when he typed it in for me. The whole verse is, quit all this brawling and complaining and bitterness. Just stop. Just stop. Stop the gossip. Stop the whining and, some, and, and, and the complaining. Just stop and be nice. Be kind. I would encourage you, every one of you. Uh, you know, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm picking on everybody and me too. One of the best challenges you can take is the Kindness Challenge, which is a book by Shanti Felden. It'll change the way you deal with people. It'll change the way you deal with Brandon. It'll change the way you deal with her. It'll, it'll change the way you deal with your boss. It'll change the way you deal with your neighbors. Take the kindness challenge by Shanti Felden. Be kind. Besides that, forgive. You know, as a child of God, listen to me. You realize how much of your sin has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ? Don, all of it. Gail's sitting back there knocking his head. All of it, Gail. Every last sin. And Jewel, considering everything I've been forgiven, what could anybody do that I could not forgive them? I've been forgiven a plenty. And I need to forgive just like that. As Christ has forgiven you. I want to say to you, friend, You've been forgiven. Kim and Kim, maybe you need a reminding of that sometimes. But you've been forgiven. There may be somebody in the crowd, I've picked on Kim and Kim because they sit together back to back just to confuse me. But there may be somebody in the crowd who does not know that Christ died so that you could be forgiven. If you come to Him in faith and you've been saved, you are forgiven already. If you've not, forgiveness is available. Cleansing is available. New life is available. Just come to Jesus. Trust in Him as Savior. Believe in Him as the Son of God and be saved. And the old will be old and you will be changed, transformed by the power of the Spirit of God. I want us to stand together. I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person present. Lord, I never know there may be someone here this morning that needs to be saved. And I pray, Lord, that right now they would not harden their heart and their mind would not be darkened, but they would give in, 
Lord, that they would come for salvation. May they come to this altar or see me in the, in the lobby and say, Pastor, I need to be saved. I want to know how to be saved like you were talking about. Father, I pray that they will do that today. There are others here who need to make decisions for baptism, for church membership. And Lord, I pray maybe there's somebody here who's been walking in grave clothes when they should have been walking in grace clothes and they just want to rededicate their life. Lord, help them to do that. Come to the altar, pray, talk with me, talk with you. And make that decision today. In Jesus' name, amen.